have you had a chance to listen to any of the podcasts? I didn't know oh. where to find them. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good, yeah. good job, Brad. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's always disappointing to hear. <laughs> Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for my ship story. story. (laughs) That was terrible. Welcome everyone to another episode of my ship story podcast. I'm Brad. Got with me Scott today. Eric couldn't make it again today, but it's going to be me and Scott and our guest. Um, How's it going, Scott? What's going on? Uh, Doing all right. Doing all right. I'm just recovering after this past weekend. It was the Simply Indie Film Fest in Edmond, Oklahoma. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get a good taste and see what all they have here because I live in Edmond and we missed our deadline to turn it in. So that was uh, sad. So we got to wait another year for that. But in two days, I watched 50 films, short films, and now I am theatered out like I can't watch anything. Got some good contacts out of it. I've been studying for a part that I'm going to play um, in two weeks on that one and then a part. Of I'm going to be a president in another one. And then I've got two scripts to read to uh, look at producing. So it should be pretty fun. This year's going to be a lot of fun for filmmaking. All right. Sounds That's good. Well, let's go ahead and bring our, our guest in. Um, welcome to the podcast, Lars Hogland. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Brett. Lars and I kind of know each other from renaissance we work together i'm i'm sure i'm sure we had uh conversations but um i I don't think we hung out or anything like that um but uh, we're gonna find out a little bit about lars here so tell us how you got started working on ships how did it happen for you i grew up in uh, gothenburg in sweden and in that area back then when i grew up shipping was what people did really you worked on the ships or you built them in the shipyards. And my family, they've been, on my mother's side, they've been uh, captains for since the early 1600s, as far as we know. So it was, for me, it was natural. Went to school, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but biology was my worst subject, so it didn't really work. <laughs> so, I, so I started working on the shipyard first, and then I uh, went to the Merchant Maritime Academy in Gothenburg. And was was cruise ships always on your horizon? Or did it just did it happen accidentally? Or was it something that came up and you're like, Hey, what about cruise ships? I started working on uh, for one of Sweden's biggest uh, cargo ship companies, they had uh, tankers and uh, started coming out with container ships and and a lot of uh, general cargo ships. And but it was not until eight years later that I was on vacation and uh, a friend of mine, he had sailed across the Atlantic on a sailboat and he ended up in Florida and met some people who worked on cruise ships there. So they got him a job and then they needed a second engineer. So he ca- called me when I was on vacation and I had to, I don't remember exactly how I got to Hamburg, but I ended up there five o'clock in the morning and the ship was all black and listing and it was not in good shape, but took us 10 days to cross the Atlantic and I lost 10 kilos. So oh. That was my introduction to Cruise. That was Carib oh. 1 with the oh. Commodore Cruise. <laughs> it was Commodore and it was the Carib? Carib 1, yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I I think we've had somebody that's worked on the Carib. I'm pretty sure. Maybe Paul Rutter. What year was this? 83, I came there. Okay. No, they, you were a little before before, yeah. before then. We had, but, we had many people on uh, a Renaissance from Commodore. Oh, really? Okay. All right. And, um, and so did you, I mean, compared to, I've always wanted to ask this question. I'm glad we've got somebody on 
that I can ask this and I'm going to take you off the subject right away, but <laughs> what did you enjoy more? Did you enjoy more working on the cargo ships or the, or the cruise ships? In the beginning on the cruise ship, I thought I was going to die. It was so much work and I <laughs> spent every, every watch six hours in the separator room at 120 degrees, I think. So that was not a good introduction to the cruise ships. But after that, when we got everything up and running, we had a lot of fun. Back in those days, uh, you, you couldn't get away with things that was not possible. And what, what year was this? 83. 83? Okay. And yeah. Okay, remind me, because uh, things get mixed together. We talked to so many people about ships and ships, but the Carib, if I remember right, it was older, right? It was built in 53. Yeah. For Olympia cruises in Greece, yeah. and then it was laid up in, in uh, Piraeus for 10 years, and Commodore bought it and towed it to, to Hamburg. They ripped out the turbines and the boilers and put in the Deutsch diesel engines instead, and then they put it in service, and in the beginning it was a mess. We had to bring the, the whole crew from the shipyard with us over to Puerto Rico so they could finish the ship, and we were oh. seven weeks delayed before we got into operation let me ask when you when they do that do they cut the ship off and separate it i mean how do you get you know i mean because it's when it was built it's built in a way where the boiler rooms or steam rooms are down like do they have to yeah that's a that's a quite undertaking to rip that old out and put in a new diesel engines well today i don't know exactly how they did it on uh, on the carib that ship was uh, riveted the hull so it wow. would have been very hard to to replicate that they probably took it out uh, from the top huh. back uh, on top there was uh, the swimming pool area so it would not have been so hard but nowadays uh, many times they they cut a hole in the bottom and bring the engines out that way nowadays they have so many decks above it would not and they don't wow. separate the ships that easily with all the cables and it's a major that's so, so crazy. yeah but the ships are nowadays the ships are made basically that you can cut the hole in the bottom and drop the engine down and or on the side but a lot of a lot of times the engine is in the middle that breaks down you know if you have three engines in the engine room it's always the one in the middle that breaks. So you have to now you were you done. were um, so this was in the you said eighty three around the early eighties. Now was this and this is probably a, a bad or a, a, a hard subject um, nowadays. But is that that's time that they were as all ships I I think cruise ships were at some point dumping all of their trash overboard. Yes. Yeah, everybody did. And and so they just compact that and bag it up and, and just dump them overboard in the shipping lanes? Yes. And when, and or maybe, and Brad, maybe you know as well, but when did that change to like the whole save the waves and not dumping anything overboard? Because it was decades, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, maybe I can put in. There was a video from a Carnival Cruise Line in the late 80s you know, when, when people started having video cameras carrying them around. Somebody had filmed them, the crew on the Carnival ship from above they were standing on deck filming downwards and they saw people throwing the garbage overboard and then it be became a regulatory issue wow yeah yeah that's that's what i would have said too yeah late 80s early or you know right around that time that's when in all the cruise lines were pretty much pressured into doing doing that uh and you know they should have been thinking about this before but then all of a sudden they're like oh we're we're killing the ocean start doing this we're gonna start doing this and all this stuff can you imagine how many piles and how big and tall they were 
across the ocean, like for, for that whole time of all kinds of trash for 15 different cruise lines for, you know, 20, 30 years. I know, I know the assistant food and beverage manager on uh, the Carib one. He was interviewed by the Miami Herald and the interviewer asked him, what do you do with the trash? Oh, I throw it out, throw it overboard. He was fired the same day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, um, hey, let's go into some ship stories. Why don't you tell us some some of the stories that you wanted to uh wanted to tell with with how many years did you did you were you at sea? Let's get that in there because I know that's gotta be a long time because you were with Renaissance up until at least the early two thousands. So you're talking about quite a while. I started uh, my first ship was in nineteen seventy-five, but then I took a I met the my first wife on, on Commodore, and I went ashore for 11 years. But now I just uh, retired on September 20. Where was from, she from? Uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. And you just retired? Yeah, from uh, uh, Windstar Cruises on September 20. Huh. Oh, okay. And you were chief engineer as as well there? Yes, yes. And <laughs> Windstar, <laughs> was it just one engine, or did you have no, several? No. <laughs> I had uh, a few of the ships. They, they have six ships, three are sailing ships with uh, one or two one or two engines, and uh, and then they have uh, three uh, smaller ships. Because I'm just familiar with the Windjammer, the sailing sailing ships. Uh, that, uh, that's different. Windjammer and Windstars. Oh, Windstar, Windstar. Okay, Jesus Christ, cut all this stuff out, Scott. I hate it when I sound. <laughs> well, well, I, hate gonna, it when, I, mean, I hate it when I sound stupid on the podcast. Well, although it happens every single episode. <laughs> Why do you leave all of my stupid comments on on every uh, single episode? You should we see what I'm editing, and I'm like, yeah, there's another one. You save one. Now, now let me ask this: While we're on this, is there a Windstar and a Windjammer? Yeah, they're two different things. And is is Barefoot another one? I think the Windjammer, do not, don't they? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, bro. Barefoot Cruises, that's that's a, uh, yeah. uh, they've got sales on it. Uh, weren't they the, kind of the same thing? A Windjammer, uh, I think they do that. Oh, okay. So Windjammer yeah. is Barefoot Cruises. I think so. Okay. Or at least some iteration of it. They're, they had, they've had lots of trials and tribulations. Yeah. <laughs> Windjammer. Well, you know, you they said had a Windstar ship sink. And, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Windjammer had a had a ship sink one time. I can't remember what it was, but um, huh. anyway, for future ops. Anyway, we're getting off subject here. We're getting <laughs> off subject. So go go ahead. Go ahead, Lars. Tell us a, tell us a ship story. Uh, this is Lars uh, Hoagland. I was chief engineer on Renaissance Cruises, and uh, this is my ship story. Uh, I was on R3 in Huahine, and uh, in the morning after we had anchored up, they called us from the bridge and said, I'll come up here and see there's a whale in the bay here. So this is French up, Polynesia, by the way. Uh, Huahine, yeah. So I went up and I saw a big whale and a calf swimming around in a little cove in the bay there. So we asked the captain if we could borrow the rescue boat. It was me and the chief electrician, Peter Dickey and Tommy Holder. He was a deck officer from Croatia. And it just happened that I got in a vid uh, new digital camera. A Sony Mavica was the first version of digital cameras with a floppy disk that had just come out. So I could take pictures for the warranty claims. Brian Alex had given it to me. So we went out in the rescue boat and got close to the whale and I said, well, we should not disturb her. Let's turn off the engine. We turned off the engine and we proceeded to drift on top of the whale, turned off in the, on the wrong side. Could I could touch the whale on the on the hump on the back. It was a humpback. Wow. So we started again. I went on the other side. I had snorkel gear. So I jumped in the water and was very careful. I'm not sure how, how dangerous whales are, but so I was swimming over and I could, then I could see the whale and it looked, looked, looked like a big bus under the water. 
How big? I was, I was going to say, how big was this? Like, it was like, a, an, like an adult, like really big. Yeah, adult, okay. adult. Yeah, she had a baby, and the baby was underneath drinking milk at that uh, forty-five degree angle underneath. I didn't get too close, but I saw the whole. Uh, thing very clearly. I got back on the rescue boat and Peter Dickey said, well, that's not something you see every day. And I have to agree. So we went back to the ship anyway. And then as soon as we came on board, they called Peter down to the main switchboard room there because he had a problem there. So he took some pictures and he sent them to the office. He thought, but back then you got a blind copy and all emails that went off offshore, off the ship. And I opened this attachment and I saw the whale swimming and, and my voice in the background. So I asked Peter, what's the whale got to do with the main switchboard, Peter? Oh, I didn't, did I? Yes, you did. And then I thought I was going to get shit from uh, Brian Alex for playing around with the new camera. It was $1,300, but it turned out it was a big success in the office. So now, how was it, it when you had this interaction with the whale? Was it just like mind-blowing? Like that's an experience only, I mean, that's one in a million people have that experience where you get to touch the well, it took It took a while to sink in, you know, and, and later on I was working with people who, or have that as a job, exploring, going on uh, whale excursions. And as, uh, they all said, wow, well, it's never happened to me, something like that. And they've been doing this for years. And you realize that it was pretty special. Did you? Do you still have uh, any pictures from that? Yeah, we had the uh, videos. Do you and, still uh, have those today? It was on the ship. I don't know what happened to them. It was, it was not on, very good quality. You know, it was the and it was on a floppy disk. Scott. <laughs> uh, the Sony Mavic was not really a good video camera. Yeah. Oh yeah, those Sony's. Those Sony's had had a, a, some kind of a disc or something in. They were always a, they were always a problem. Yeah. Um, I worked I, fine, I, but they didn't take good, too good uh, quality. So were you were you on the crossing the R when the R three came from the shipyard out to French Polynesia the first time? No, oh, there was R four. I was on that. Was oh, you were on, on the crossing. Okay, okay. On R four. I have a yeah. story about that too, if you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Lay it on us. When we left San on R four, we went on two engines across the Atlantic because we had a date in Fort Lauderdale with the. They were going to do the christening and have a reception on the ship and and everything. So, and Lynn Swan, he was a famous wide receiver for the Miami Miami Dolphins. He was there too. Pittsburgh the Steelers. Steelers was it? Yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers, Lynn Swan. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he, he, he may have he may have gone to the Dolphins later on, but in his prime, he was with the the Steelers. Okay, I got redskin tickets. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> so they had a reception. They had arranged uh, spectator stands on the pier, and the bridge officers. They were all standing in nice uniforms on on the bridge wing, and there was a champagne bottle on a on a pipe up on the stage. And Mr. Rudner, he was on the stage uh, talking about the christening. And they said, now I named the R3. And they pulled the, the rope for the champagne bottle, but it didn't release. So they pulled harder and the pipe bent, uh, still didn't release. So then one of the stage hands, he climbed up, the, he skimmed up the pole and, and untied the knot. So then they released it and it bounced and didn't break. Oh, that's not a good sign. So then they then they got some, they started swinging the bottle more to get some height on it so it would crash. But then the rope came around the pipe and Mr. Rudner, he had to throw himself down on the stage you know, to avoid getting hit in the head by the champagne bottle. Oh, good. He's such a dick. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, 
after a while, they managed to, to break it. But uh, anyway. <laughs> isn't, isn't every swing that the ball doesn't break means five years of bad luck? But it's something. Years. I don't know. the But the thing is, if it doesn't break, that's bad. That's a bad omen or something like that. Yeah. Well, we, we went bankrupt about two years later. There you go. <laughs> it's all because of that. <laughs> People were talking behind us. Oh, this is embarrassing. And Captain Kemp, he was looked like a stoplight in his red. Wait, he he would go from pure calm to pure fury in just a matter of moments. Uh, yeah. That guy was so mercurial, and uh, yeah. So I know I know I can picture it in my head. He was <laughs> he was a piece of work. Now, Lars, um, when you did you guys ever play any jokes on your fellow like uh, like we used to have a thing called. Um, what was it called? Fog watch where, you know, all the new people had to go watch on the deck for fog or like, did you ever play jokes or, or um, pranks on people that were new? Okay. So what, what about uh, party party? Uh, well, well, here's, here's the difference, Scott, though, when, whenever you get people down in the engineering department, they have to have some experience. You know, most usually, unless you're you come in as is what like a what's an entry position? Is it an oiler? A wiper? Don, or, a wiper? Or, or, a wiper? Or a what is a donkey man? What is a donkey uh, man? What is a donkey man? That, that's from the steamship uh, era. Oh, okay. Donkey man. He was the one who was looking at feeding the boiler. Yeah, donkey man. Okay. He, yeah, yeah. He he was looking after the boilers. Huh. Okay. Well, there was a position. Well, I've been on ships with a donkey man because no, I paid them, and I'm like, what well, in the that world is a donkey man? <laughs> I think chief and they put somebody on the payroll didn't exist. <laughs> that dark money goes back a long ways. No, a little Filipino guy showed up to get it. So yeah. <laughs> the, the Filipino mafia, I, where it goes after that, I don't. It's not my job, man. It's maybe, not my job. <laughs> maybe, maybe that money was for like you know when when Erica from Erica, um, uh, you know, goes to uh, sneak a pig on where they can. No, that would be the pig man. That's a whole different position. <laughs> we had a guest on that that told the story that um, she was invited to a Filipino party and she went down to this Filipino party way down towards the engine department i don't think it was in huh. the engine department but it was really close from what she described and they and the filipinos had an entire roasted pig down there yeah. oh, oh they oh, always oh. do that oh, oh they do oh. Yeah. we were blown okay. away we'd never even heard of anything like that so did did you ever witness or do anything like that uh, we did yeah many times and uh, they would buy a, a whole pig and uh and uh, stuff it full of vegetables and uh, sauces and everything and, uh, and, and roast and it that, for many and where do you food. roast this like where do you do this at oh we depend on nowadays you cannot do it anymore but 10 years ago it was still happening on the ships we would have a no we would make a contraption in the engine to turn it <laughs> some some of them were very advanced with the frequency driving wow that just blows me away because that can't be part of any uh regulations that Not, is that no, no, is that no. all very secretive like only certain amount of people yeah, know well, it, it, we um, we used to have a little bit of freedom and but I think now it's all gone. I remember when I was guarantee engineer on uh, a freedom of the seas, we were going to make a pig barbecue and we got a pig and, and brought it on board and, and I was guarantee. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> How do you get a we whole were, pig on board? Yeah, we were trying to discuss How that. did it How happen? Possible? Well, the pig was dead. But yeah. Yeah. But but how do, still, 
How'd you get it on oh, the I, ship and down to where you were? I brought it on the gangway, carried it on my shoulder over the gangway. Oh, Wait and because you're chief engineer, they're just like, okay. No, I, I was no guarantee engineer. Oh, guarantee. Okay. <laughs> Even uh, then, they were uh, like, uh, what? I was joking with the chief engineer. I said, uh, you know, we, we couldn't find uh, the only thing he had was live pigs. So we had to buy a live pig. So now we, now we have to go and kill it. Oh, he's, are you are you insane? Sorry. Wait a second. Okay, so I got I got you're leaving out some details got, here, Lars. I gotta I gotta you gotta <laughs> let's let's go back to to uh, so did you bring a live pig on the ship and then kill it on the ship or did you kill no, it? No, no, it, it it was dead, but I joked with the chief engineer. Oh, okay. Oh, totally, totally. it was a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. But we had a USPH inspection the same day, and the chef was not so impressed that <laughs> we were bringing a pig on board for. We were preparing. trying to figure that out earlier, like when she told us this. We thought, well, maybe, maybe they worked it out with the in the uh, like that brings well, on the provision, food. provision. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we, you, we used to you, So for sure, for yes, you just walked it over your shoulder, a dead pig. Yes, yes. Was it wrapped? Was you? Did you already? Yeah, yeah, in, in, in a in bag, it? yeah, plastic. Plastic bag. And it was all skinned and everything processed? Well, I had the skin, but it was, uh, the intestines were removed. So it was ready to, to be cooked. So we went, my friend uh, Finn uh, Rudsprat, he lives in Miami. So he knew how to make the uh, Cuban uh, uh, chest. They call it it's a special way to prepare pigs, the uh, Cuban way. Right? Man, Cuban. We need, Eric, we needed yeah, you here. Yeah, we should man. have had Eric here. Gotta, <laughs> Eric is going to be sorry he missed this one. So, but okay, one more, I got to ask one more question. What was it like carrying a pig over your shoulder down? It's got to be down four or five, six flights of stairs, oh, passing multiple people. Like, oh, we had the, the party, it was on the mooring deck aft. So, we, I just went straight. No, on the Royal Caribbean ships, they have this I-95 uh, service uh, corridor. And that one goes the whole length of the ship, basically. It came out on the aft mooring deck, and that's where we had the Cuban uh, chest. Man. So me and me and uh, Finn, we stuffed the pig with the vegetables and the sauce and went to town. <laughs> so how long awesome. did you uh, how long do you roast a pig and and was there a big turnout like a lot of people or all in yeah, yeah, we, the department? Was, the whole deck and engine department was there. Man, that's just awesome. <laughs> it just had to be one of these like officer parties that um, we we had on Renaissance. Uh, we had, we would have an officer party every now and then the, the food and beverage manager, I can't remember his name, but he was a Spanish guy. Every now and then he would cook up this huge batch of paella and invite all the officers. And it was, man, it was so good. And of course the wine was flowing and, and, uh, everybody was there and it was, it was a good time. I think the deck and Indian parties, they were pretty famous on, on Royal Caribbean. There was on Renaissance. It was not so much. We, we had some on R3 and R4 in Tahiti, but it wasn't really a good ship to, you know, remember the, the crew bar was not big and. Not really any crew areas. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want? Sorry, we went on about that too long, but we've been fascinated with this story ever since we heard the first one. So is there any, another story that you wanted to tell us? Wasn't there something about somebody going overboard? There were two uh, bartenders. So they worked in the bar. I'm not sure they were bartenders, but they were from Australia and New Zealand. And it was four o'clock in the morning in between Rayatea and uh, Bora Bora. Coming from Rayatea, going to Bora Bora. It was bad weather. And I was sleeping four in the morning and then i hear oscar ask my ex-wife say what does that mean i mean man overboard so i went put on my coverall and went down to the engine and i was listening to the uh, radio and i 
thought this is not going to work. They'll never find them. Four o'clock in the morning and half a storm out there. About 20 minutes later, they picked them up. And when they picked them up, they were cussing. What the fuck took you so long? <laughs> Bro, you fell overboard in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. So they brought them on board. And my ex-wife said that Captain Camp, he was standing on the bridge wing, shouting, put them in handcuffs when they were bringing them on board. And yeah. It turned out that they'd been drinking all night. And uh, then they decided to sign off and jump from deck 11 into the ocean oh my god pick a lower deck if 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 you're gonna do if you're gonna be stupid yeah. well if you're gonna be stupid i guess go for the high deck yeah so and, and <laughs> but there was a third crew member who had some sense left so he threw a deck chair one of those that floated to mark the spot and uh, he called the bridge yeah now that you're we found you alive you're arrested and going to jail i thought um i thought the code for men overboard was mr mob mr mob a bit different in different cruise lines. yeah different oh, cruise lines have okay. different okay well that's interesting i've uh, in my uber writing i we've, we've talked about that and you know people are like oh it says you on your profile you used to work on a cruise ship and i'm like yeah so we'll talk about it and they're talking about so what's with all of the people who jumping overboard nowadays and i'm always yeah. like it is not easy to fall overboard you have to go out of your way no matter if you're completely shit-faced you, no. you just can't fall over the rail and even if you do you hit the ships are kind of stair-stepish so if you fall on, on a certain level you hit the floor below you so you have to work at it to, to follow yeah. i'm sure you picked them up and they were gone back to australia or new zealand the very next port yes yes i, I didn't <laughs> That would be an interesting story is to have a, if, if anybody on this podcast knows anybody that jumped overboard and is still alive, we'd like to hear from that person. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, oh yeah. And then I jumped overboard. Well, we had that one story from Elaine, uh, Elaine. She told us about that one guy that, um, fell overboard, was drunk, fell overboard and swam to, uh, Oh, swam St. Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so Lars, so, so, so thinking about all this stuff, what, what would you say the, uh, the weirdest or wildest or, or the craziest thing that's happened in your 30 plus years at sea? But I was uh, on a diving ship. I was working in the, uh, in the North Sea for two years before, right before I started on the Carib One. And we were in uh, Gothenburg. We had a minimum crew on board. We had to turn the ship around to get to put the other side to the pier. We started the engines and every time we started the engines, we would get a fire alarm. But the chief, he was on the bridge so he, and I, he called down to the control room. Hey, Lars, the alarm is not from the control room. It's back from the cargo hold so i went back in the cargo hold and i didn't see anything i went back all the way to the steering gear and those ships the engine room is in the front and the propeller shaft runs the whole length of the ship so i went all the way back to the steering gear came back again and then there was sort of fire in the cargo hold and i looked up in the in the hatch and i could see through the gasket that there was something glowing in the space above there was a big fire when we started the engines the sparks from the funnel down the hatch uh, on, on deck but that they had left open and there was some paint pots uh, standing there, open paint pots, paint cans. The paint caught fire and a lot of smoke and managed to extinguish it. And then after we finished extinguish, we saw there was a, a pallet full of uh, paint thinner sitting in the middle of the fire and uh, the caps. The caps had started melting. We were close to a real disaster. Explosion. We burnt, we burnt up uh, all the cables going back to the uh, stern thrusters and the steering gear and everything. and the ship we had been painting and taking care of the ship for a month before then so 
standalone. They were not very happy with this. Yeah, I'm sure that was a, a lengthy repair. Yes. Now, Lars, I have to ask something I've always been kind of curious about um, because we know like the Norwegians can drink and Swedish, uh, Swedes can drink. Who drinks who under the table? Oh, the Finns. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are amateurs compared to them. Do the Finns have a version of Aquavit? Oh, they have, they have the vodka, yeah. Oh, Finnish, okay. Uh, well, Koskun Korva and well, but I know they have. Yeah. I know they have vodka, but um, but you know, yeah. we talk a lot about Aquavit here because yeah, yeah. We, we we were on Royal Caribbean um, back, uh, or at least I was back Norwegian. on the Norwegian flagships, yeah. and so there was a lot of Aquavit flowing around. Was there? Uh, I, I don't touch that stuff. Oh, <laughs> You have to go back a couple of episodes and watch Brad. He uh, he cracked open a um, a thirty year old bottle of uh, Aquavit that he got on the ships and drank about a quarter of it. And and by by the end of the podcast, he was just kind of leaning off, <laughs> just kind of leaning away. I got that in Oslo the first time I was in Oslo. The the uh, uh, a bottle oh, of Aquavit. I think it's awful. I like I like. If we're gonna have a shot, I have rum yep. or or that Greek uh, cognac metaxa. Okay. I love metaxa. I that is that. my wife and I love that. I got hooked on metaxa when I was in uh, the shipyard in um, Athens. Um, I thought yeah. I think they call it scaramanga or something like that. Yeah. We were we were bringing out the topaz. We I still like- I I still have uh, to get someone on here on the topaz to tell that whole story. But me and uh, the food and beverage manager would go out and uh, we would drink beer and metoxid some little dive <laughs> bar and in. Yeah, Piraeus. Yeah. <laughs> and ever since then, I love it. It's great. Uh, Lars, is there any other stories that you want to tell us? Because we're about out of time. Otherwise, we're going to start asking you some questions. Second engineer, Mark Meta on R4. He had a very beautiful girlfriend from Slovenia or Slovakia. But when we came to Tahiti, he decided he needed to try one of the Tahitian girls instead. He dumped the Slovakian girl. And, but she was a hairdresser and he... Uh, he needed a haircut, so he went back to have a haircut. And he came down in the control room. He looked like he'd been run over by a lawnmower. <laughs> I, was, I was pointing at laughing, and he said, what? I go look in the mirror. He disappeared, and he went, ran up to the back up to the hairdresser, and I fixed him. Yeah, I yes. think that would be bad uh, on the girl that you just dumped to go get your hair done by it. It's like you uh, was stabbed in the back a... of the neck. Did I ever tell you, Scott, about I had a Polynesian girlfriend? Uh-uh. Oh, I'll have to talk about that one of these days. He, she was <laughs> she was nice. She was very nice. Her name was Leilani. Leilani. Yeah, Leilani. I, I really like Sounds very Polynesian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Leilani. Now, now Lars, while I'm we're talking, say, I'm not going to say her last name. Now, while her we're life. talking about uh, uh, dating and the girlfriends and stuff, uh, Lars, uh, in between your wives and stuff, uh, in your time, did you ever hook up with any passengers? Well, that's how I met my first wife. <laughs> <laughs> but back, back then, it was uh, allowed and encouraged too. We well, well tell, uh, tell us how about that. Like, how'd you guys? Yeah, do? that that's what I keep. That's what I keep telling people. You know, there was a time there where it was. They they wanted the crew to fraternize yes, with the passengers, yeah. and I was not the worst one, but I managed to do a little bit too. And one, uh, the chief engineer he told me, uh, Lars, I'd never see you in the in the disco. So, you know, chief, I'm going four to eight, and you know I need to sleep. When the disco opens at twelve, I'm sleeping. Uh, but then you sleep from eight to twelve, and then you go to the disco. <laughs> okay, chief, I can do that. So, but there was like 
if we wanted to, I think every week, and I'm not the most forward in that respect, but I think I had a different girlfriend every week. And Go Lars! Yeah. <laughs> so it was well, when you got all those bars. Put on your uniform, you know, and I was even better looking then than I am now. So it's, <laughs> it was a lot different than when I came home to Sweden again, and it was not so easy. <laughs> You're like, hey, do I need to wear my do I need to wear my uniform out? No, my, my, the first staff uh, chief, uh, Wolfgang Habs, he, he was very experienced in all respects. And my my friend, she was visiting from Sweden and she saw him on deck in his swimming suit and he tried to talk to the girls. And he was a middle-aged man, pretty short. The girls wouldn't talk to him. So he went back to the cabin and put on his uniform and came back out. And then they were talking to him. <laughs> Now, did he keep his swimsuit on, but just put on his uh, his uh, jacket? <laughs> I don't know about that. I was going to ask. <laughs> Probably only put on his jacket. <laughs> now, did well, you meet your your first wife in the in the disco? That uh, you said from North Carolina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we met in the in the bar on uh, the pool bar on uh, on Caribbean. Okay. Oh, cool. early. Did you spend some time in North Carolina with her? I guess. Yeah. After I uh, signed off, I would uh, go to her and uh, spend time, and then we, we got married in 1986. And you said you were off ships for about 10 or 11 years. So you were, you were 11 years to, yeah. to you were married to her for 11 years. Yes. And then you. Oh, more than that. I was married to her for 30 years. 30 or 13. 30. Oh wow. 30 okay. years. So I worked in uh, in DC and. Uh, St. Thomas during those 11 years. The captain, then he was almost the worst. On Saturday, before we left, his whole cabin would be full of girls. <laughs> uh, and one one time, uh, one officer was riding up in the elevator and a girl came on, came in the elevator with him and she pressed the two buttons. That, you had to press two buttons simultaneously to get up to the officer quarters. And she knew how to, to press the two buttons. And he said, how do you know that? Oh, there was a friend of mine. She told me about it. She'd been here on another cruise. He's like, I'll tell you in about 20 minutes. She went, pressed the two buttons and went straight up to the captain's cabin and joined the party up there. Nice. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, he, uh, he was he was a champion. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have an occasion where you almost missed the ship? I was in uh, Puerto Plata. My friend's girlfriend from Sweden and I, we had uh, rented motorcycles and we went to the beach in Puerto Plata. And, and on the way back, we took the wrong turn. She ran out of gas, couldn't see her in my rear mirror. I went back to find her and she hang on to my shoulder and we came back to the ship like five minutes before it left. And we were running on the pier and I got my cover. I went back on duty. It was like five minutes before the ship left. Close. Did How you... Did you get a warning? No, nobody found out. Oh, okay. Out. Yeah. Nobody knew? Nobody told no, on no, you? Uh, no, no. I mean, I told the chief afterwards, but he didn't... As long as I showed up for my duty. There's some different rules that applied yeah. back then, you know, <laughs> depending on your position and who you were and that kind of that kind of stuff. That 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 ha definitely happened. I saw it happen many, many times. Now, what about uh, uh, last questions I have? Um, favorite port and least favorite port? I like Tahiti a lot. Tahiti? Really? You like Tahiti? Yes. I was just there with uh, this last year with the uh, Windstar on uh, Wind Spirit. Really? Because we're both, we're, we're obviously, we're both the same complexion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I was on several contracts in Tahiti. I didn't like it because... All it was going there was just beach and sun. And man, I don't like to be all that much in the sun. I used to go 
play tennis there. I had like in Rayatea, there was a school with a tennis court. I would go uh-huh. there. And... Now, what about your least favorite port? Freeport. Yeah, Freeport. <laughs> that was not, I'm thinking about Renaissance. Uh, oh. <laughs> it was so bad, we tried to put it out of our mind. No, Freeport is a pit. You cannot. <laughs> I believe Renaissance. I don't know who went there. The bad ports, really. No, we never really had too bad of ports that I recall. You know, and, and if we did, I've just kind of forgot about them. I always yeah. remember the good ones. Um, yeah. Gosh, I remember us being in, uh, when we were in the med uh, on the one and the two, you know, we'd be in Venice for three days, overnight in Venice and oh, man. two Istanbul. overnights in Venice and Istanbul. Istanbul. Three days. I never got much chance to get off in Istanbul because I was a purser. But yeah. um, when I signed off, of course, I'd gotten to know the um, the agents there in Istanbul and they're fantastic. I mean, all the agents in Turkey are really, really good. Well, I'm signing off in Istanbul. I'm going home on vacation but i'm gonna change my ticket and i'm gonna spend a couple of days in istanbul and man i'm so glad i did it was fantastic i mean i partied like a rock star i saw everything oh it was great i was there with the john mario sanguinetti you remember him? that name john sounds mario. familiar he's bald italian yeah, I tell a story about him all the time because uh, he's the one. He's the Italian that doesn't look Italian at all. No, no, blue eyes. He he had the wife. He had married. He had married someone that wasn't Italian, and um, he brought her home. And the, and evidently in Italy you can get free Italian lessons if you're married to you know Italian. someone that's a, a citizen, and so. He went in to get her signed up, and he's talking to the person, and the person says, "Well, your Italian isn't that bad." Maybe you should sign up for one of these advanced classes. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's for my wife. I'm Italian. It's not that bad. <laughs> Your Italian's not that bad. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I think we're going to have to wrap it up here. Thank you okay. so much for being thank with you. us. Thank you. Yep. Thanks yeah. Thanks for coming on. It was great. I got to remember yeah. my only Swedish, Shana uh, Lege. Shana Lege. That's like, what's up? That's that's about all I know. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on. It was really great to have you. It was great to have you on, and it was great seeing you again, because okay. as soon as I recognized you, and this, is, this happens to a, a lot of people, I just get this impression, oh, I don't remember any interaction with those people, but I remember... Good guy, bad guy. And yeah. when I saw your face, I'm like, oh, he was a good guy. Thanks for coming on, telling all of your stories. It was it was awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And uh, all right. We'll look for the podcast again. No, no. Ciao, ciao. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, man. That was fun. That's our first engineer. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure oh, it's our first I, engineer. I think so. Yeah. 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 It was great. It was great. Oh, man. That was that was a good one. I'm 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 glad we got some pig confirmation. That, on the that, show, it just blows that me is away. great. It yeah. does. It blows me away too. It happened all the time, and I never got it happened invited. Happened all the so time, I'm... and it never even went through provision. They just brought it on. You know, hey yeah. guys, be down below. I, I'm glad to know it was a thing, but I'm pissed off now that I was never invited to one. Awesome, Eric. I'm from America. We we've uh, now we have you confirmed. Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, 
My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member, and if you have a story that you would like to tell, or if you'd like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!